Glenn with a dynamic preaching style. I'm always blessed to hear uh, him as he preaches. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to have him uh, preach for us again this November there in Elbow Lake. He preached for us at Gospel Light uh, last time, uh, the church in Alexandria. And uh, we did have uh, one lady saved after the service there. And so uh, we praise the Lord for that. And uh, so he's going to come and preach for us in Elbow Lake, and we'll probably take him pheasant hunting again. Amen. We, I think we should just make that an annual thing. It'd be a, be a good thing. I love uh, pheasant hunting, and actually, just uh, well, I've had a, a black lab uh, for two years now. And this past year, uh, just really uh, saw him take to pheasant hunting, and so that's a, a good time, good stress reliever. And so, uh, but uh, anyways, and Brother Falsberg, it's uh, been a, a blessing to get to know him and his wife, and, and uh, he actually uh, preached for me. I broke my back in uh, 2017, and he came and filled in for me, I think on a Wednesday night uh, there, and uh, of course, uh, I wasn't expecting to be there, but uh, I uh, came along anyways, I think, with a walker and set in the congregation there, and uh, amen to mine, and, and he preached on uh, how to pray for your pastor, and so I, I learned how to pray for myself, amen, and uh, uh, but uh, anyway, so it's, it's a blessing to be here, and um, uh, yeah, so uh, kind of give you a, a summary of our ministry, so uh, as you can probably tell, uh, you probably hear a little bit of a southern accent, and uh, that's not southern Minnesota, uh, that's uh, from, I'm originally from Georgia, my wife and I are from Georgia, we grew up in the same church together, my uh, wife is actually uh, is a deacon's daughter, and I was a pastor's uh, son. And uh, so our, our marriage was arranged, and so we had no choice in the matter. And it worked out good for me, and my wife is still trying to decide whether it worked out good for her or not. Um, that's a joke, though it wasn't arranged, but uh, it seemed like it just about. But um, so, uh, yeah, uh, God, the way that God brought us up to Minnesota is uh, a sister church out of the church that uh, I was sent out of in Georgia had a ministry where they fi- uh, found closed down church buildings in the upper Midwest. And, and uh, God uh, called uh, me to uh, take the next uh, church that they would uh, find and work on. And, and uh, God uh, led us to Elbow Lake, Minnesota. And uh, that was uh, uh, back in 2013 we found the building and then we went and raised financial support in 2013 through 2015. Uh, so we would be able to hit the ground running and start uh, the work there in Elbow Lake. And we started the work in Elbow Lake there uh, in 2015. And uh, the Lord just blessed us. We were able to get uh, a, a beautiful building there. It's an old uh, Presbyterian church, and it had closed down. And uh, we were able to purchase the building for $20,000, which is, uh, of course, unbelievable if you think about today's economy. Um, but uh, God can. Amen. And and uh, we didn't have, we uh, signed the, you know, the contract for a 60-day clo- closing, and we didn't have any money. And uh, God provided that uh, money uh, for us to close on the building. And then, uh, since then, uh, they put uh, uh, furnaces in it, uh, put a new roof of shingles on it. Uh, we just recently, this summer, put a uh, pitched roof. There was a flat roof on the church building, and it was starting to leak. It had uh, reached its expiration point there, and so we put a, a pitched uh, roof on it and some shingles and things such as that. And uh, we um, also uh, are in the process of putting in some new sidewalks in the church and doing some updating. So we praise the Lord for how He's 
uh, bless the church and bless the church uh, financially uh, to uh, be able to uh, do these projects. And then our church has got to the point where uh, we're in that transition now of uh, the uh, Elbow Lake Baptist Church uh, paying for our salary. And uh, we're, uh, we still have financial support, but what we're trying to do is transition that financial support uh, to just be a ministry in and of it itself. And uh, myself and Brother Eisminger are partnering together in what we're calling Upper Midwest Church Planning. And Brother Eisminger is the pastor now at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Alexandria. And so it would be our heart's desire to take what support we have and uh, to pay for uh, a man's uh, gas to, to go to a town and uh, preach the gospel, and uh, and then to to cover uh, rental cost or things such as that uh, on a on a place to meet for uh, churches. And it's our heart's desire to uh, continue to start more churches uh, in Minnesota or just the Upper Midwest in general. And uh, not uh, very long after we started uh, in Elbow Lake, Minnesota, God burdened our heart for Alexandria. Uh, Minnesota. Matter of fact, a, a family uh, that uh, lived uh, just about 20 minutes north of Alexandria, an elderly family, uh, Stan and Esther Greiner, uh, had uh, been traveling from Miltona, Minnesota, all the way to St. Cloud, Minnesota, which uh, was an hour and a half uh, and uh, uphill both ways. Uh, but uh, anyways, um, uh, but uh, they did that for 20 years, they, and they got up in age, and they've been praying for God to uh, allow a church to get started in Alexandria, Minnesota, and uh, they contacted us and saw, uh, saw if we would be interested, and I said, you bet, you know, and uh, we started uh, holding a, a church service in a community building, and I'll just be honest with you. Um, it was difficult. Um, I mean, we, we knocked on doors on a weekly basis, and um, uh, you know, we, we had a few people come, had a few people get saved, but uh, just never really took off. And, and I'll say it like this, it was because uh, we were working out of convenience. And, and I think about this, in Hebrews 11.6 it says, "...without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh unto God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them." Uh, that diligently seek Him. And I would say this, the reason that uh, any uh, success that we've had in Elbow Lake, and we've certainly had plenty of struggles there, it's not all been easy or a bed of roses, uh, but uh, the blessings that we have had have always been out of response of a step of faith. And I'm going to be preaching on that here in a little bit, uh, about uh, a step of faith. And, and I want to say this, is that if our Christian life has grown stagnant, and I'll raise my hand, uh, and say that my Christian life has grown stagnant at, at times. But uh, what uh, refreshes us and what revives our spiritual life is taking steps of faith. And uh, that was the missing element there with Gospel Light. And I would say with any church endeavor, uh, the missing element from us, all that God wants from us is faith. If we'll come to Him with faith, faith He'll do the rest, as it says there in Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh unto God must believe that He is, and that He is rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so we were holding services uh, there at Gospel Light uh, uh, on Saturdays around 6 p.m., and so we would uh, have three services in Elbow Lake and then go on Saturdays there to Alexandria. And we did this for about uh, in between two to three years. 
And, uh, you know, and then COVID hit, and uh, I'll be honest, we just got discouraged and, and basically did all but quit, you know, kind of gave up. As a matter of fact, I was meeting with Stan and Esther Griner uh, after COVID hit, and uh, I told them, you know, the only, uh, you know, uh, expectations I have for gospel light now is just hope that God would do something. I'll be honest with you, I kind of... I just thought that it was off the table. I thought that God was done. And, and that's where God wants to get us. Amen. God wants to get us into a place where we realize we can't, but He can. Amen. And so if you're in a place like that this evening, uh, you're in a good place. Amen. Because you're, you're stepping out of the territory and you're stepping out of the realm where you are doing the work and you are stepping into territory and you are stepping into the realm of faith where God can. God works best in impossible situations. And so, uh, you know, I was actually at a missions conference in Sioux Falls, South Dakota there with Brother James Ruckman's church. And, and when Brother Ruckman uh, was there, and I haven't been back there since, and I'm sure that it's probably still the case, but man, just a, a powerful spirit of missions and a powerful spirit of going and serving and doing and working for the Lord. And, and I remember Isaiah 9-6, you know, as uh, Isaiah says, you know, uh, uh, hear my Lord, send me, and, and the Lord ask who will go for us. And I remember God refreshing me about uh, gospel light and about reaching Alexandria, Minnesota. And, and God said, I want you to go. Amen. And uh, so God gave me a plan this time, a little bit more of a plan, and it was a step of faith. Like I said before, it was more convenience. We had a, a community building we were meeting in for free. I had, uh, you know, this man and his wife, Stan and Esther, were kind of leading the thing uh, as far as our, our meetings and things such as that. But God told me to step out on faith, and there were uh, a few things that He wanted me to do. He wanted me to raise $20,000 and uh, find a storefront and uh, have a grand opening. And within six weeks, we did a little minor deputation. My brother-in-law and his wife were up here. Uh, he was uh, one of our deacons. He was basically assistant pastor. And so he filled in for me on Sunday nights. And I went on a six-week kind of like deputation, went to churches up here in the region, and uh, asked God's people to help us get this church going for us to locate a place and, and for us to raise $20,000. Within six weeks, we had not only $20,000, but $21,000 that God had provided. And, and God used your church to help in that endeavor. And another thing that we had been praying for was a man. I'd interviewed probably seven or eight men to come to Alexandria, Minnesota, uh, and all of them were dead in roads. You know what? Within six weeks, not only did we find a place to meet, uh, not all, and I'll tell you what, the place that we found to meet, uh, it was for $900 a month on Main Street there in Alexandria. And we didn't even, it was like a handshake deal uh, with the owner of it. I mean, no background checks, no credit checks and all that. Praise God, because it would have, they would have went off, you know, the red lights and all that kind of stuff. I'm joking. Uh, but uh, anyways, I mean, a, a new church doesn't have a credit score. Uh, but uh, anyways, so, you know, it all worked out. And then also within that six weeks, Brother Eisbinger, uh, I contacted him and we talked and, and within six weeks God had called him to come and to be the pastor of uh, Gospel Act. And I say all that to say this is that I didn't do any of it. All that I did was step out by faith and then God responded to a step of faith. I mean, I say that God will do the same thing for you if, uh, if God's asking you to take a step of faith, do it. Amen? Because what God promises, He is able also to perform. And so that church uh, constituted... 
uh, I guess it was in uh, uh, 2021 now or 2020. I, I, I'm not very good with dates, but anyways, recently constituted now, and and uh, they've got uh, people joining. They just had a, a new family of uh, of five join their church there, and they've got another family uh, coming. and And uh, Alexandria is growing, and God is doing works there in Alexandria, Minnesota. And so now, uh, what uh, we are kind of setting our sights on is uh, so we. Uh, uh, have this uh, ministry that we're starting, uh, and uh, it's called the Macedonia Meeting, and I've got a few of these flyers here. And so, uh, the Macedonia Meeting, our flyer here says, a, a call to reach America's forgotten region, uh, the upper Midwest. And just in west central Minnesota, the area that we're in, there are nine counties without a Baptist church like this one. Matter of fact, there are nine counties uh, without a Baptist church at all. And uh, And so... Uh, the the need in West Central Minnesota is a very great need. And so, uh, matter of fact, in Grant County, which Grant County isn't a big county, uh, but we are not effectively reaching our county uh, as it is. And uh, so we're the only Baptist church in Grant County, Minnesota, and we have a desire to reach out to other uh, towns. And so one of the things that we're looking at doing is uh, hopefully, Lord willing, uh, this fall, is we're looking to start a Bible study in Herman, Minnesota, and Herman, Minnesota is about 20 minutes from Elbow Lake. It's on the uh, southwest end of Grant County there, and it's a town of about 500 in population. And uh, I've already been building relationships with people there, and uh, we have a few that we're praying for, and we're praying that God would allow souls to be saved. And, and the thing is, is with small towns like that, there might not be a church that would come out of that, but uh, maybe a scenario where people would get saved and come to Elbow Lake Baptist Church, or uh, we could kind of do like a circuit riding type thing where we would travel to some of these small towns and, and hold services there. But this Macedonia meeting is uh, uh, going to be in August. It's going to be August 15th through the 17th. Uh, and what we're doing, we're having uh, church planting classes on uh, those mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, and so uh, right now we've got men coming from Georgia and, and Mississippi and Texas. And then we've got some coming from uh, the upper Midwest as well. And certainly you are invited. I'll give you uh, set out some flyers if that's okay with Brother Yoder. Uh, uh, for you guys to come as well and be a part of this. And so, uh, like I said, we're going to have church planning classes at 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to do a gospel saturation at 2.30. And then we're going to be serving a, a dinner uh, at 5.30 for the community. Uh, and this is going to be held in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. And Fergus Falls, Minnesota is a, has a population of about 14,000 uh, people. Uh, and there is a, a Baptist church there. There's a, a GARBC uh, church uh, there, and uh, I know the pastor there uh, pretty well. As a matter of fact, before we uh, before we had a baptismal pool, we actually baptized two individuals there uh, at that church. Uh, and here's the thing: this is the way that I look at it, uh, and uh, I'll probably preach on this tomorrow. But uh, this idea of uh, going to a town and uh, being based on whether there is a Baptist church in that town or not uh, really isn't biblical in the sense. Jesus Christ, we don't read the Great Commission and Jesus says, uh, uh, He doesn't say this, He doesn't say, uh, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, go ye therefore until uh, there's enough churches. He doesn't say that. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 
Amen. And I've had a little bit of a paradigm shift uh, after us uh, starting Gospel Light Baptist Church. The way that we sort of did it, and I believe that it, God was involved in it, obviously. Uh, but uh, we got a building, and we got, uh, you know, we've got, we had some Christians that were looking for a church like ours already in the area, and that's great, and that's wonderful, uh, but I want to start, I want to be biblical in the Great Commission, I want to start, we want to go into a town and uh, preach the gospel and have, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one Bible studies, have at-home Bible studies, meet at a park, or, or meet uh, in, a, in a building, uh, rent a building, or whatever, but our desire is to reach the lost. And so that's the idea. We're not going to just try to uh, start a Baptist church and try to proselyte uh, uh, Christians that are already established and get them to come into, into new churches, but we are, have the desire to see souls saved and lives changed and a church started that way uh, from uh, the gospel being proclaimed and being preached. And I believe that that is uh, the idea of the Great Commission. And so the Great Commission uh, uh, necessitates churches being planted because when souls are saved uh, and people are baptized, and it's just my belief that a church starts, uh, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my, my name, there I am in the midst. And I believe that's when a church gets started. It is when two or three have been saved and baptized and born again. They begin to meet together. That's a church. Amen. And it's a called out assembly. And it might just start with two or three, but it grows as the uh, Great Commission is propagated. And so we want to go to town after town after town after town. And I'd love uh, within the next decade to tell you, hey, that uh, there's a Baptist church uh, in every town in Grant County, Minnesota. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if that's God's will to happen, but I sure would love for it to happen. Amen. And you say, why is that? Because I've seen it. I've been from Georgia. Amen. And in, in Paulden County, Georgia, where I'm from, there's over 300 Baptist churches. Now, all of those aren't necessarily our stripe, uh, but at least probably 75 to 100 of them in one county. And so going from that type of atmosphere to coming to a place where we're the only Baptist church, may I say that uh, we're the only, no, I shouldn't say that we're the only church in our county, but there, we are in the minority when it comes to churches that preach salvation by grace through faith and that do not teach that you receive the Spirit when you are baptized as an infant. I've been to plenty of Lutheran funerals and every one of those Lutheran pastors affirm that these individuals received the Spirit when they were baptized as an infant. And it's troubling. It's disturbing. And uh, so, matter of fact, it was a blessing this morning. I, I preached on that baptism. I preached out of Matthew chapter number 3 that baptism is symbolic of repentance. And uh, praise the Lord, I'm thankful for how God changes lives. Amen? I, I'm thankful that God can take people off of dope and put them on hope. Amen? And uh, we had uh, neighbors uh, that uh, lived just across from us and about five years ago, uh, we kind of connected and and uh, the wife's name is is Joe Lee, and and uh, her husband's name is Justin, and and uh, they were both uh, meth addicts years ago, and uh, I'm thankful that uh, God allowed our paths to cross, and they came from a Lutheran background, and about two years ago, Joe Lee got saved and got baptized, and Justin was on the fence. Matter of fact, he was still using and and uh, things uh, when we met him, uh, but God got a hold of his life through the gospel. Amen. And uh, he, he thought he had a heart attack about a year ago. 
And uh, I had sat with him before, and as a matter of fact, he uh, had made a profession there. Hey, but I want to tell you what, uh, the thing is, is we sometimes get concerned about, well, did that person make a false profession or not? Hey, it's just our job to present the gospel and invite them to receive Jesus Christ and let the Holy Ghost do the rest. Amen. And uh, hey, I'm thankful that the Holy uh, God of heaven got on his trail. He made a false profession and he knew it. And he had a heart attack and he d- he knew that he didn't, or he thought he had a heart attack and he knew he didn't have peace with God. And so about a year ago, he came up to my door and uh, he said, man, I thought I was going to die. Uh, he said, I thought I was having a heart attack. And he said, I wasn't ready to meet God. He said, but I'm coming to you this morning. I want to be prepared to meet God. I want to get saved. Amen. And praise God, he got saved. I'm telling you what, he's a, he was a staunch Lutheran. And uh, he said, man, he got saved, but uh, I've been waiting on God to work on his heart about being baptized. And this morning I said, if you've you know that you've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized. Uh, would you raise your hand if you want to be baptized? And praise God, he raised his hand uh, uh, this morning and met with me after church. And he said, I heard you say something about getting baptized in Palm de Terre Lake. He said, I'd like to get baptized uh, in the lake. Amen. And I don't know about you, but stuff like that lights my fire. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, there was another man and his wife... Uh, uh, that they've just recently started coming to our church and have a, a strong Lutheran background. The wife was saved uh, through a non-denominational church back in 2003. And I mean, she's a fireball, amen. She loves Jesus. You can't get her to shut up, amen. It's it's kind of, it's almost, it's uh, irritating sometimes, but it's a blessing, amen. She won't shut up for Jesus. It's wonderful, amen. But her husband is the complete opposite. You've heard how opposites attract, right? And uh, But anyways, her husband is the complete opposite. Just a very quiet, very shy man and he was over at my house the other day and and uh his wife asked him when he came home she said did did you guys eat a meal like why did he have you over and he he said no we didn't eat a meal and or anything like that he just talked to me about jesus talked to me about salvation talked to me about getting saved and and she said well well what did you tell him and he just shut down he was kind of like that he just shut down but anyways this morning during the uh, service, I said, if you've never repented of your sins, I said, that's what it, what you need to do is repent of your sins and put faith in Christ uh, before you're baptized. And if you've never done that, would you raise your hand this morning? And he slipped up his hand for the first time admitting that he was lost. He didn't get saved this morning. Oh, but would you pray that he'd get saved? He's a man in his late 50s and or early 60s. And I'm thankful that the Gospel still works. Praise the Lord. And so we're thankful for how God has called us to the upper Midwest and we get to reach the frozen chosen. Amen. And uh, I'm thankful for the few that God has allowed us to to see their lives changed by the glorious gospel of Christ. Um, I'll tell you uh, one more uh, story about a testimony of a young man in our church and then I'll sing and get into God's word. And and uh, but uh, when we first started the church in Elbow Lake in 2015, there was a man and his wife that uh, drove up in a golf cart, and the man was kind of swerving a little bit in the golf cart, and came up hiccuping, and he's like, Hey, I just wanted to meet you. My name's Jeff. And uh, he said, My dad was a Pentecostal pastor. And uh, he said, I'm looking forward to a Baptist church coming to town. Uh, we need to get some Holy Ghost dancing going on in church again. <laughs> I mean, he was he, he was drunk as a skunk. This is my wife Nancy here, and uh, got to meet them, and and uh, they were there at the first service, and they've been there ever since. And not to go too long into details, but God gloriously saved both of them, and 
God saved Nancy and God saved Jeff. And in 2018, their grandson, who uh, he had lost his dad when he was nine and then started smoking marijuana when he was 12, him and his mother started using drugs after his dad passed away. And, and his name's Mitch when he's got tattoos all over his arm. He was at a young age to already become a, a tattoo artist and begin using methamphetamines and using drugs and all of that. And he had been out in and out of treatment about five or six times and five or six times. And about that time, God laid it on our heart to get an addictions ministry going. And I, I met Mitch when he came to that addictions ministry there. He started living with his grandmother who was just recently saved. Amen. And you know how it is when uh, you just freshly saved. Amen. You can't, you don't shut up about Jesus. Amen. And uh, Mitchell came and he said uh, uh, to that, he, he came to that uh, addiction ministry and he said, uh, can we start having a Bible study? And see, I'm from Georgia and they don't say you betcha in Georgia. Uh, I think that was the first time I ever said you betcha. He said, you want, can we have a Bible study? I said, you betcha, man. We can have a Bible study. And uh, we started having a Bible study and after a few months, he got gloriously saved. God saved him. And I'm thankful when God saved him, amen. He, I mean, he, I, it was unbelievable. You know, not only did he quit drinking, quit smoking marijuana and all that kind of stuff, but he, he started working, he got his license back and got, uh, got to work and got a job, got a car, and he, he started working at a company and everybody there was a chain smoker. I said, I don't think it's going to be a good idea for you to work there. You're not going to be able to quit smoking. And I'm thankful that uh, God is greater. Amen. And, and he was even able to quit smoking and, and, uh, uh, here recently he answered his calling to preach and, uh, now he's going to Master's Bible College there in Fargo, and, and God's called him to be a missionary to China. And a matter of fact, he's actually in Africa uh, right now helping uh, uh, them on the project there in Africa that that, uh, that Fargo Baptist Church has going on. And, and uh, I praise the Lord for what God is doing in people's lives. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of the Gospel. You, you guys were talking about camp, and we just recently had family camp this last week. And I tell you why, I think we had probably four or five families uh, that came uh, that uh, do not go to church. And uh, we've been picking their kids up on the church van. And uh, we've seen some of the kids get saved. And so there were four or five families there, unchurched, and their kids were there. And, and uh, I think we had five children get saved at family camp. Amen. And, and one of them was our... our uh, I can't say our youngest son anymore because we just recently had, uh, we've got a son that's two months old, but our five-year-old got saved at family camp. And so I just praise the Lord uh, for what He's doing in our ministry. And thank you for allowing me to take the time to share that. <clears throat> and I'm uh, going to play a song for you and then we'll get into uh, the Word of God. And uh, I, I, I like just being transparent and um, just uh, telling you like it is and and uh, this song, many of you know this song, it's uh, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. And uh, my dad, this is one of his favorite songs. He, my dad is a pastor. And, uh, and you know, I'm thankful for how songs become real to you. Amen? And, and uh, like I said, uh, well, give a little bit of a background, but uh, when God, you know, called us to Minnesota, I, I mean, I had no problem with it. I came here, uh, absolutely surrendered, wanted to be here. But you know what? Even if you want to be somewhere, and even if your spirit is right with God, you know what? We, we're, we're made up of three parts, right? We've got a body, a soul, and a spirit. And your spirit can be right with God, but sometimes your soul, which is your mind and your will and emotions, can get messed up, right? 
your body can get messed up, right? And I'll tell you what, the first three years that we were here, I went through such a transition. I, I mean, uh, talk about climate change. Yeah, you know, I mean, going from Georgia's heat to uh, six months of winter, uh, and then going from a larger town to a smaller town, and then going from a southern town to a northern town, it was culture shock, man. And, and I, I was, in my spirit, I was right with God about it, but in my soul, I'm going to tell you what, I was, I was troubled. I got depressed. I got discouraged. You know, honestly, I, I mean, I, this is my first time pastoring, I, I honestly didn't know what I was doing. I was trying my best, but just struggling at it. And, and you know what God did to refresh my soul and restore my soul? He broke my back. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. God set me in a hospital bed because I felt like it was all on me. And God break, breaks my back and he, show, he showed me, no, it's all on me. Amen. And, uh, and we had uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law came up and uh, after a year after we had been here, man, they were a blessing and a help to us. And uh, they moved back to Georgia just here recently. Matter of fact, they're actually building a house in Georgia. They moved, I guess, about two years ago. But, uh, you know, uh, in the second verse of this song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, it says, Trust in Him who will not leave you whatsoever yours may bring, if by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to Him cling. Amen? And uh, probably the most difficult thing out of all this is just being distant from family. You know, that, that uh, it's, it's almost like we mourned our family, even though they, they come up about once a year, we go down there about once a year, uh, there's still just that relationship has been lost. And we've, been, we've actually been doing a grieving uh, class. Uh, uh, it's a book by Tim uh, Hawkins uh, there uh, out of the uh, ministry, uh, Hope uh, for Addictions uh, ministry. And um, it talks about that. You know, James chapter uh, number 4 uh, talks about, you know, where it says, somebody would say, you know, we, we're going to go into a city and we're going to buy and sell and get gain. And God says, uh, we're not to do that. We're not to have that, uh, that uh, mentality like that. We're to say, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that. If the Lord will, we'll do this or that. And the, something to help us with loss and something to help us with grieving is not to take anything for granted. Here, here's the thing. We just had our two-month-old son and uh, we, I, I, thought, uh, I thought he had died. He got caught in the birth canal and he came out. He was blue as these chairs. We thought he was dead. And uh, you know, it taught me something that you know, we don't even need to take our children and, our, and their health for granted. Everything that we look at, we should look at, at the attitude of, if it's your will, God, I'll have this or I'll have that. And that's one of the biggest principles to learn in dealing with grief or dealing with loss is to putting it in God's hands and saying, God, if it's your will, I'll have this or that. Rather than this idea of entitlement. We have this idea of entitlement and say, I'm going to have this. This is what I deserve. Unfortunately, we don't deserve anything. We should say, if it's the Lord, we'll, we'll, we'll do this or that. And you know what? It was a blessing to have my family, but hey, you know what? If it's the Lord's will for me to be with my family, I'll be with my family. If it's not the Lord's will for me to be with my family, I won't be with my family, but I'll thank God for the time that He's allowed me to be close to my family. Amen. So, 
Pray for me as I try to sing this. Filled with swift transition Not on earth unmoved can stand Build your hopes on things eternal Hold to God's unchanging hand why don't you hold to God's unchanging hand? Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Trust in Him who will not leave you. Whatsoever years may bring, if by earth we friends forsaken, Still more closely to Him cling. Why don't you hold to God's unchanging hand? Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. When your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair and bright your home in glory, your enraptured soul will be. Why don't you hold to God's unchanging hand? Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. All right, if you will, grab your Bible and turn over to uh, Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter number 3. And um, I brought my small Bible, so I'll just preach a small message. Amen. All right, I, I just got this Bible from local church publishers. I got I got my full Bible, so don't think I'm a compromiser. But man, I just love this uh, pocket New Testament. Amen. Just being able to hold it in my hands like this, and then man, you got if you don't have an iron calfskin Bible, you've got to get one. It'll increase your reading exponentially. I mean, you just it's like an air freshener. You just want to go. 
every now and then it just relieves your stress, and man, it's good. And then you get to reading it, and then it just refreshes your soul, amen? And so, uh, if you have your Bibles, like I said, please turn over to Revelation, and uh, I'll just give you uh, a summary, really, of the message uh, that uh, the Lord's laid on my heart, and uh, then we will be uh, done here. Uh, but anyways, uh, Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number one, the Bible says, Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou, art, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto uh, the churches. And so we see here about the church at Sardis that they had a name that they were living but were dead. And so this is the idea of the message tonight is that we are saved, we are born again. Uh, this is a church here which is a, a called out assembly of believers. And so we know that these individuals here at Sardis uh, were believers that they had been saved and that they were living, that they had the Spirit of God in them. Uh, but looking at their spiritual life and looking at their spiritual activity, they had stagnated. It was as if they were dead. And uh, may I say that uh, there are times in our Christian life that we can get stagnant uh, and that we can become lifeless and God's not working uh, very often in our lives. And if somebody were to look at us, they wouldn't know if we are alive spiritually or we are dead spiritually. And I'll just be with you, I have been there in my life. I have gotten stagnant. I have gotten dead, so to speak, in my faith. My faith hasn't been active in my faith, hasn't been working. And so, I want to share with you a message that I believe is very important on how to revive a dead faith. How to revive a dead faith. Because I believe that it is uh, very important and very vital uh, that we as Christians, that our faith stays alive, that our faith stays active, uh, that our faith uh, continues uh, to be utilized in our Christian life. We should never stop walking by faith. The Bible says as Christians we are to walk by faith, not by sight. And may I say the thing that will stagnate our faith more than anything is looking at the circumstances and looking at our life uh, uh, and looking at it by sight. Uh, Brother Eisminger, whenever he was... Uh, 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 deciding whether or not to come to Alexandria. Uh, he's a very practical type of person. He's a very analytical type of person. And he called me and he was trying to weigh out the pros and cons of coming to Alexandria. And he was like, well, it seems that in West Central Minnesota, Alexandria, Minnesota would be the most practical place to go. It's got one of the largest populations there in West Central Minnesota and the economy is thriving and it just seems like it would be a good hub to reach the smaller towns uh, in west central Minnesota. And then he went through a list of cons and things such 
as that. And I said, brother, uh, what you need to do is just throw all your logic and throw all your analytics in the garbage and get along with God and ask God uh, what He wants you to do and see if it's God's will for you to come to Alexandria or not. And a matter of fact, he took my advice. I didn't know if it was good advice at the time or not, but it was the advice that I gave him. And he came to me later and said, man, that was great advice. He said, I just gave it over to God. And God said, that's what I want you to do. And he said, I stepped out by faith and God answered, amen. And so here's the thing is that we don't walk by sight. If you're basing your faith in the steps of your faith on sight and you're doing the analytics and you're looking at your circumstances and you say, these two things don't add up and they don't make sense. The longer that you walk by sight, the more that your faith will die and the more that your faith will stagnate and you will become a crippled Christian, you will become a lukewarm Christian and you will not see God performing powerfully in your life. And may I say that I don't want it to be said of me that I grew cold and that I grew indifferent and that I got stagnant and that you couldn't tell whether God was working in my life. You couldn't tell whether I had a living faith. And I believe all of us here tonight would say the same thing. You know how sweet it was when you got saved. You know how sweet it was the hour that you first believed when you put faith in Jesus Christ and all of a sudden the lights came on and you went from being dead in trespasses and in sins to alive in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how sweet of a moment that was. If you don't know how sweet of a moment that was, then you may have never been saved. Because as the song says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease. Amen. And it is a sweet thing to surrender and let God work through you. And may I say that the same faith that we start uh, the Christian walk with uh, is the same faith that we continue the Christian walk with. And so I want to encourage you tonight uh, uh, to revive your dead faith. If you've grown cold, uh, if you've grown stagnant, don't stay in that condition. Amen. Uh, Life is too short to live a dead faith. Uh, Life is too short to live a dead Christianity. And uh, may I say that uh, may God help us to see how that it is whether we have a dead faith or not. First of all, I want to notice quickly the symptoms of a dead faith. Uh, we see here uh, that uh, Jesus is encouraging the church at Sardis. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things that remain and are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God. We see three things in that verse that... Uh, are symptomatic of a dead faith. Uh, First of all, we see him sleeping on the job. Jesus says, look, you need to be watchful. You need to wake up. And here's the thing. Are you sleeping at your post? When's the last time you've witnessed to somebody? When's the last time you've had an answer to prayer in your life? When's the last time that you gave generously to a church project? When's the last time that you've gotten up and did something about your faith? That you've not just sat there and let others do the work, but that you've gotten up and that you've gotten watchful and that you've given attention Uh, to the work of God. Are you sleeping on the job? It shows symptoms of a dead faith. Or, we see number two here, a lack of exercise. He not only says to be watchful, but He says to strengthen the things that remain. When's the last time you exercised your faith tonight? When's the last time uh, that you challenged God? When's the last time uh, uh, that it was hard 
for you to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you what, uh, Christianity when it's convenient and Christianity when it's comfortable is not genuine Christianity. Uh, genuine Christianity is when you've gone through the test, when you've gone through the fire, and you've kept your faith. And, and when you're still believing in the trial, when you're still believing in the midst of the difficulty, that's genuine faith. When's the last time that you've exercised your faith? Uh, you don't get a workout just by uh, watching people exercise on the television. No, you actually have to go and get some weights. You have to jog. Your muscles will feel it. And may I say that when's the last time that you felt faith being exercised in your life? We see a, a sleeping on the job, a lack of exercise. Thirdly, we see a ceasing to work. He says, I have not found thy works perfect uh, before God. I think about, uh, you know, in the book of Ezra, how that uh, the individuals there in the book of Ezra, they were building the temple. And you know what? People began, uh, you know, griping about it and complaining about it and they discouraged them from the work. And you know what they did? They quit. Oh, may God help us. I want to tell you what. Hey, may God help us. We see that so much in the church today. People get disgruntled. Uh, people get discouraged. Uh, uh, people get more focused about the pain on the walls. And, and uh, people get more focused on uh, the what-ifs of church and the how-tos of church. And, and we get discouraged and we get upset and we begin to bite and devour one another. And that is the evidence of dead faith. Whenever we get out of church and whenever we quit and whenever we stop, it's evidence uh, that we've grown stagnant and we're not living living by faith. We're living by sight. Maybe you've put down a job that you were before doing in the church because you've been bitter and because you've been discouraged. And may I say that you need to minister to those things. You don't need to let those things control you. We need to be like Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 6, we see that those same people that discouraged Ezra try to come and discourage Nehemiah. And they say, come down, we want to meet with you. say, I'm not going to do it. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, we need, don't need to give place to the devil. Those things that are going to destroy your faith, those things that are going to stagnate your faith, those things that will make you bitter need to be avoided. Uh, uh, Brother uh, Todd Bell, who's a church planner in Maine, uh, I love a statement that he says, and it's hard to do it. It's very hard to do it, but he says there's no time for sad stories. And God has used him mightily. I don't know how many churches God has planted uh, through that man and through his ministry, but the thing is, is his focus is not on the sad stories, but on joy and on peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness. Have you quit working? Do you have a job for Jesus? Here's the thing, is that if you are not working, you will stagnate. See, the thing is, is that the reason that the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is because it has a great input. But it doesn't have an output. Here's the thing is that your preacher can preach to you until you're blue in the face. You can hear all the songs and you can just build up your faith. You can separate from the world and you can still be dead. Uh, your faith can still be dead because you're not doing anything for Jesus. Number two, we see the solution for a dead faith. Solution for a dead faith. He says, remember. He says, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Hey, you need to remember uh, the Apostle Paul went to Timothy He said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. What I want to do tonight is try to make you remember, hey, if you've been saved, there was a time in your life when you were operating by faith that you were stirred up about Jesus. And may I say that it doesn't just have to be when you got saved that you're stirred up about Jesus. All it is is a step of faith away and you can get stirred up about Jesus again. Remember how you got saved. Remember how it got started. Amen. I think about David who got stagnated in his faith and he said, Restore unto me the joy 
of thy salvation. You know what he was able to look back at? He was able to look back at Psalm 40 verses 1 through 3 where he, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. Set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. And here's the thing is that he remembered back when he got saved. He remembered the condition that he was in and it stirred him up again. He got joy again and I'm tell you what tonight you can get joy again in the Holy Ghost uh, you can get excited about Jesus again uh, there is a solution uh, for a dead faith remember he says but then also receive see the way you started life in Christ is the way that you maintain life in Christ Galatians 3 2 says this only would I learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith you receive the spirit by faith and the spirit works in you by faith here's the thing is that the reason that you quit working for Jesus is because Jesus wasn't working for you. May I say that if we do our work through our own human nature, we will quit every time. And it's good for us to quit doing it ourselves. If you quit, you quit for the right reason. Because you're doing it through your own strength. But may I say that God didn't ask you to do it through your own strength. He's asked you to do it through His strength. What He's asking you is to take a step of faith and let Him begin doing the work again. Because you know what? When you do it for Jesus, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. When you do it out of the flesh, I don't care if you pray out of the flesh. If you pray out of the flesh, it'll be a burden. If you read your Bible in the flesh, it'll be a burden. If you parent your children in the flesh, it'll be a burden. If you go to church in the flesh, it'll be a burden. If you do it through the Spirit, it'll reap joy. In life everlasting. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. When you've got a bad attitude, you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm doing this out of the wrong Spirit. I need to do it out of Your Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, oh man, it's a blessing and not a burden. When you parent your children out of the Spirit, it's a blessing and not a burden. And it is a daily effort. It is a daily chore to stay submitted to the Spirit and let the Spirit work through us. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Romans 14.23 says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's convicting, isn't it? If I'm not doing something out of faith, it's sin. And the thing is, is that what we need to do is just realize it. We don't need to try to push it off. Well, no, no, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, I quit doing that for good reasons. The only reason that we quit doing anything for Jesus is we quit walking by faith. That, that's why He said to the church at Ephesus, you have left your first love. That's why He says to the church at Sardis, He says, he says be watchful and repent. Repent of our lack of faith. We need to repent of our lack of faith. So remember, receive, and then lastly, I'm done. We see the splendor of a living faith. The splendor of a living faith. We see it, it says there that it's not defiled. It's not defiled. I think about Daniel. It says who purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. And the splendor of a living faith. He, wouldn't, he purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself. And then it says in Daniel 1.8, it says in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Here is the thing, is that we, the splendor of a living faith is that we will not defile ourselves and people will see, man, that person is ten times better. Because here's the thing, 
is that the output we give out of the flesh is ten times less profitable than the same output done through the Spirit of God. And you say, what makes the difference? Faith. What you need to do is stop what you're doing out of the flesh and do it out of the Spirit and you'll find it ten times better. We see the splendor of of a living faith that's not defiled, but number two, it's walking with Christ. Walking with Christ. He says that I will be with you there in our text. And think about this. I'll close with the story of the three Hebrew children as they're in the fire. You know know what? The splendor of a living faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or uh, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. You know what they had? They had a powerful faith. And we see the splendor of that. When they went into the fiery furnace, they weren't burned up. And Nebuchadnezzar saw it. And he said, I see a fourth man in the fire. Amen. And the splendor of a living faith is that when people see us go through the fire, they won't see us. They'll see the fourth man in the fire working with us. They will see Jesus with us and in us and through us. Amen. What about it tonight? Does our faith need to be revived? Do we have a dead faith? I'll say that many times my faith needs to be revived. Many times my faith grows dead. And I don't walk in the Spirit. It's a daily thing that we need to focus on and give attention to. Let's bow for prayer and I'll hand the service over to Brother Yoder. Heavenly Father, we come before You tonight in Jesus' name. Dear God, I pray, Lord, that You would forgive me of my own dead faith. So many times, Lord, I quit walking by faith and I start walking by sight. Dear Lord, I pray, God, that You'd help me to walk by faith and walk by Your Spirit, God, that You would do more through me. Dear God, I pray for people in the service tonight. God, I believe, Lord, that there's people here, God, that just need help, God. They're just like me. They're, they're struggling through life trying to get things done. And we try to do it with our own morality and with our own good efforts, dear God. But it just turns into a struggle. It just turns into frustration. But oh God, if we can get You to work through us, God. Lord, Your burden is easy. Your yoke is light. Lord, and we pray, God, if there's someone here that's never been saved tonight, we pray, God, that they would receive Your Spirit tonight. They would be saved. We pray, God, for somebody that's hurting tonight, God, that You would restore them and refresh them. Dear God, we pray for somebody, God, that just needs to take a step of faith, God, that You would help them to do it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.